0: Or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Breaking the Barrier podcast. This is episode 52. This podcast
1: is sponsored by Generation UCAN, the smarter energy nutrition that's powered by Superstarch, a slow-release complex carbohydrate that uniquely delivers steady, long-lasting energy to keep you fueled and feeling good. Visit generationucan.com.au. And use the code Barrier for 15% off your first purchase. That's generationyoucan.com.au and use the code BREAKINGTHEBARRIER. Generation You Can, the best choice
0: for steady energy. This podcast is also brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash Barrier. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's www.audibletrial.com forward slash BreakingTheBarrier. My name is Andrew Lorenzo, and I have committed myself to pushing my body and mind to their limits in my attempt to run a 2-hour and 40-minute marathon by the year 2020. Over the course of my journey, starting in 2018, I've discovered many things about the human spirit that I want to share with all of you. It's my hope that I'll help you reach your true potential and inspire you to go above and beyond what you ever thought possible. With the help of an amazing community of listeners and speakers, we can all push ourselves harder than we ever have in hopes of breaking the barrier. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Breaking the Barrier podcast, where I hope to inspire you to go above and beyond what you ever thought possible. My name is Andrew Lorenzo. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, you can find all things Breaking the Barrier at the website, breakingthebarrierpodcast.com. You'll find detailed show notes, links to my life coaching and mindfulness coaching services, as well as a link to request to join the Breaking the Barrier Facebook community group. Of course, the Facebook community group is a place where you can go if you have questions comments victories anything having to do with your journey we're all there to help you out listen and celebrate your victories i also want to remind you that if you are enjoying the podcast please hop on itunes subscribe and really really important leave a review it takes like 20 seconds and it will really help the popularity of the podcast in terms of getting it out there and letting more and more people hear it because the more reviews i get the more visible the podcast is so we've got an exciting episode today. I'm going to be talking with Nick Jankovskis of Mets Performance about the importance of VO2 max and of course what it is. Before we get into that, I want to give a couple of shout-outs and mentions to some of the Breaking the Barrier members who are going above and beyond. So this first shout-out goes to Dean. So Dean posted in the Facebook community group with the results of his really ambitious goal for this year. Dean said, "Hey guys, At the start of this year, I set myself a stupid goal of running three ultra marathons over the year. Well, I'm happy to say that yesterday, I successfully completed my third 50K for the year. I was dreaming of finishing yesterday's run in under five and a half hours and somehow managed to achieve that with a few minutes to spare. I'm so stoked. Never give up on your dreams, guys. With a little determination, anything is possible. What a great message, Dean. Thank you so much for sharing. And for those of you who are not part of the Facebook community group or or are part of the Facebook community group, just want to say once you get there, Dean actually has posted a race recap video, which is really awesome. Uh, He's done this a couple times and they're really great to watch, so I really, really recommend that. And Dean, man, that is such a cool accomplishment, like really, really congratulations. Well done. Three ultras for the year. And finishing the final one at under 5.30. That's really amazing, man. And I love your message. That's that's absolutely spot on. Never give up. And keep that determination going. Shani had this to say on the Breaking the Barrier Facebook page. Just listen to episode 51. And you're so right. With the support of others that are there helping you, you can get through a sore run. Yes, I didn't do a full marathon. But I attempted my second half marathon. And stupid me went into it already with a niggle, and should have downgraded, but still went out there and started and felt okay till about 6 kilometers in. Then I totally messed it up at the 9 kilometer mark and hobbled the last 14k. But with all the messages I got, I was determined to cross the finish line and collect my bling. I didn't get up at 4.30am to get a DNF against my name. Just think, next year we both have a redemption run to do and complete. Absolutely Shani, I'm with you 110%. I'm so ready to get back to a race and have my revenge. And good on you for for continuing your race as well. I think you hit the nail spot on the head. It, it you know, that running community is so important. And they just come out of the woodwork. I mean, they're always there, but when something's going wrong, they're there for you like so much and so fiercely that it, it would almost be impossible to not want to cross that line. Obviously, there are extenuating circumstances where you can't, but you know, if you can, do. And congratulations on doing, so rock on. I'm noticing a pattern in the last couple. There's a lot of quote unquote stupid things going on, stupid goals, stupid niggles. <laughs> so, we'll get there, everybody. We're all gonna educate ourselves <laughs> soon. This note comes from Omar, very inspirational. Keep up the good work, Andrew. I really enjoy this podcast and it helped me a lot preparing myself for my second full marathon, as well as other topics related to running. Thanks again, Andrew. Ah, uh, Omar, that's so nice. Thank you for sending that note in. That's that's really that really means a lot to me. I'm I'm glad that I was able to help you towards your marathon, and and I'm so stoked that you got a PB in that one. So thank you very much for sending that in, Omar. That's um that's huge. And this last note comes from Austin. Austin said, I've been looking at the fire in my eyes, trying for change, but I always come up just short. With your help, this time I'll break through those barriers and change myself. Absolutely, Austin. I love the determination that I can just sort of hear coming from that message, man. Like, I hope you go for it and, you know, sometimes we do come up short. You know, I've come up short a lot of times in my life and we don't always get it on the first try and that's okay, but it sounds like you've got the determination to keep going and I'm really excited to see where your journey takes you, so go for it, man, absolutely go for it. So congratulations again to all the members of the Breaking the Barrier community who are going above and beyond. Remember, check out a link to request to join that, or send me a message on Facebook or Instagram at Breaking the Barrier Podcast, and I will send you the link or approve your request so you can get in on that action. So okay, I want to get into today's episode, speaking with Nick about VO2max and what exactly he does as a VO2max facility tester. So at the very core, VO2max is basically known as maximal oxygen uptake, and it's the measurement of the maximum amount of oxygen a person can utilize during intense exercise. And Nick tests this and tests your body's ability to use this at his facility here in Melbourne. So Nick is a sports scientist and endurance performance coach at Mets Performance Consulting. He's a specialist in improving endurance economy by prescribing strength and conditioning and performing biomechanical analysis of human movement to ultimately improve endurance performance, simultaneously assisting the reduction of injury risk associated with endurance sports. He's got a Bachelor of Exercise in Sports Science with a major in Sports Coaching. He's an accredited exercise scientist He's part of the Australian Strength and Conditioning Association, and he's an Australian Weightlifting Federation sports power coach. So he's definitely got the experience behind him. He knows what he's talking about. The fact that you were able to do this workout doesn't matter if you were slow or struggling. I mean, the fact that you got through it, I mean, that in and of itself is is huge. I think, I have to imagine that uh, the reason that, a workout like this would be included in a plan is probably, I'd almost say it's more of a mental thing than a physical thing. I mean, yeah, to work out for three hours physically is a crazy endurance trial, but the fact that you stuck with it and you didn't give up, that says to come onto the podcast and talk a little bit about Mets performance and what they do in terms of their BO2 max testing facility. So, Nick, thank you so much for coming on. That's really awesome.
1: No worries. Thanks for, uh, thanks for knowing the pronunciation on the last time too. Good one. Good uh, one. You know, it's
0: always a, always, I, always a tricky one. <laughs> <laughs> I've done no, it once, so I'm not going to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> Pronouncing that's like uh, doing an ultra, I think. You do it once and then you don't have to do it again.
1: Yeah, correct. Correct. There you go. Get it right the first time. That's all right.
0: So... Nick, tell me a little bit about your background. How'd you get involved with Strand condition? Can run a half marathon in any way you want, whether it's part of a race, whether it's part of your training or whether you're walking, running, jogging, whatever. And you get the bling, you get to share that accomplishment with the MTA group and the virtual half group that pops up. And it's just a really, it's a really great way to bring a community together who otherwise wouldn't really be together. It's, you know, obviously with MTA, you have the community group as well. And that's a great way to meet new people. But also, it's just nice to share that accomplishment with others. So Annabelle and Marty, really, really well done. So glad that you were able to get it done. Marty, I know that you had said that it was a bit of a redemption after your last marathon. So that's always a great thing. Really, really well done. And um, I, I can't wait to see how you travel along. You're very active in the community. So thank you so much for that. Annabelle, I know that you're struggling a little bit with your pace at the moment, but I think a little bit of rest and recovery, you're gonna, you're gonna do just fine. And the fact, again, if I kind of go back to what I was talking about with Paul, the fact that you did it says says amazing things about you. Uh, it doesn't always matter what the pace is; it doesn't matter how fast you're going, how slow you're going. But the fact that you have the heart and the gumption to do it, that that's a big deal. So Annabelle and Marty, congratulations. So congratulations to all of the members of the Breaking the Barrier community who are going above and beyond. Again, you can find a link to request to join the Facebook community group at the website breakingthebarrierpodcast.com or sending me a message on Facebook or Instagram and I'll send you the link to request to join. It's a great way to share your journey. It's a great way to get others involved. And I think for a lot of us, when we're setting goals and crushing goals, it's a great thing to do is to share them. And on the opposite end of that coin, if you're having... A challenge it's a great way to sh- to get some answers you know share the challenge in the group ask questions because there's always somebody who's been there or has been in a situation like that okay so real quick before I start talking about the Spartan I just want to give you a little bit of an update on myself so obviously with the race did that that was great you know I, I am recovering my quads are still pretty sore which I'll talk about in a little bit but in a good way not in an injury way And my running is full circle. Now, I've been working with the myotherapist, Jason Nass, that, of course, I found through Isabel Ross, which you can listen to her episode, which is a couple episodes ago. And, of course, Isabel Ross is an ultra runner who took part in the Barkley Marathons. Now, I found him through her, and he's been working on things like balance and degrees of rotation and some of the strength. And we're just trying to work through the problem. He very much is somebody who he's very much like he it's like watching Sherlock Holmes when I'm in a session with him because he uses like deductive reasoning, right? So he'll start out thinking, or well he'll start out saying, okay, it could be this, this, and this. And he's not saying that just because he doesn't know what else to say. He's saying it because legitimately it could be this, this, or this. And then we'll talk through it and then he'll rule something out. And then we'll continue to talk through it or he'll watch me you know stand on one leg on a soft surface or he'll analyze my strength or he'll analyze how flexible I am or how I'm standing or moving and then he'll eliminate another reason or two and then we'll just keep going through the motions and w- you know we're going to we're going to continue to do that until we can really get on top of this problem and you know I'm I'm continuing to work on my speed which is great like this morning I had a great workout. It was a two-mile warm-up, about a 3K warm-up, and then eight times 800-meter repeats. And so I kept those at about a 7... about a seven fifteen to 7.30-mile pace. That's about a... I don't know. It's like a 4.30 to 4.40-kilometer pace for the first four to five. And then the last three, I actually sped up. So it was really great. I was feeling strong, and I sped up at the end. So I was doing closer to four fifteen kilometer pace or about a six fifty to a seven oh five mile. And you know that those workouts are tough. You know, eight times eight hundred meter repeats sometimes doesn't sound like a big deal. Like I mean I'll look at it and be like, okay, that's that's a, that's a cool workout. But by the time you're done, man, like <laughs> it's hard. So the fact that I'm able to to pick up the pace at the end of it, I'm really, really excited about that. I mean it was, it was a bit tougher today than it normally would have been because, again, my quads are still a bit sore and I'm still recovering from the Spartan. But yeah, the running is going great. I, the other day, set out for an easy pace five mile run and I ended up running eight miles. So I set out for, in kilometers, about eight kilometers, I ended up running 13. And that was great. Again, I sped up toward the end. So for the first five miles, I kept it at a cruisy 930 to 945 pace or about a... About a six minute kilometer. And then toward the end, the last three miles, I, I picked it up substantially. So, down to anywhere between an eight to an 830 minute mile or about a five to 520 kilometer pace. And I felt really strong. I felt like I could have kept going. No niggles, no pain. It was great. So, that's awesome. I'm really looking forward to continuing along with my speed workouts. The myotherapist, Jason, wants me to start picking up with my long runs again. So at the moment, Steve, Coach Steve from Marathon Training Academy, and I have formulated a plan where the Sunday long runs have been replaced with Sunday cross-training sessions or, well, aerobic cross-training sessions. So for example, this Sunday, I have scheduled a two-hour long aerobic session, whether that be a bike ride or the elliptical trainer, something other than running. Which may or may not change uh, depending on what Coach Steve thinks about uh, what the myotherapist said and getting the long runs in. But if I don't do a long run this weekend, I'm not really going to be too upset about it just because I got in a midweek long-ish run. I know eight miles is not really a long run. But it's the longest run I've done in a little while, longest steady state run that I've done in a while. So that's something. I generally, personally, don't consider it a long run unless it's 10 miles or over. Even 10 miles, I still kind of feel like it's a bit mid-distance because I, I can do that in about an hour and a half. So I, I feel like long runs are an hour and 45 minutes or longer for me, personally, for me. That doesn't that doesn't mean anything to anybody else. It's not worth a hill of beans to anybody else. If your long run is 30 minutes that's great you know it just depends on what your abilities at or what your skill levels at or where your experience is at at the moment so that's where I am at the moment I am confident that between these new workouts and Jason and you know coach Steve that I will be able to beat this injury and right now at this moment I am looking at probably not doing an April marathon I don't know that might change, but I'm, I'm possibly going to do the Gold Coast Marathon in July as my next marathon. So that gives me from now seven and a half months or something like that to really prepare for this thing. And by the time I get there, I'll be looking to be chasing a 320 or a 330 time. I know that's ambitious, but that's seven months of speed work, seven months of really working with my body to make sure that everything gets sorted. And I think that I can do it. Now, the the 240 may not happen in 2020. Matter of fact, I I can say with some confidence that it won't. Maybe I'm hoping that I'll be able to BQ in 2020, but even that might be a little bit of a stretch if I'm doing a 320 to 330 marathon best case scenario in July. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, this journey, again, was never so much about just the time and the schedule in which I want to do it. It was more about... Working with my mental capacity and my physical capacity and see what my limits are, you know I've said this before a couple of years ago If I had hit these roadblocks, I would have given up You know hands down given up, but the fact that I'm, I'm still going and still trying to figure out a way to keep going That excites me and it excites me to see where I'm gonna go with my running. So Okay, the Spartan now The first thing that I want to talk about is just my general experience with the Spartan. So I got into the Spartan races just this year. So March was my first one out in the Turidan Estate here in Victoria. I started my Spartan journey with a super. So the super is, like I said, the 13-kilometer obstacle course. And that that was really hard. It was really, really hard because A... I had never done one before. I had never, I had not really trained for it. But B, in Turidin that day in March, it was like stupidly hot. It was, I think it was like 37 degrees Celsius by 9 or 10 a.m. And that's about, I don't know, it's like 100 degrees, 105 degrees or something. So it was dumb. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. We got through it. Uh, so that was my first Spartan. Of course, I do have a Lessons from a Spartan outlining that Particular race, I can't remember what episode it is, but have a search for it. Lessons from a Spartan in the Breaking the Barrier podcast. Have a listen, um, and then so with this one, it was it was a similar it was a similar experience for me. I trained a little bit more than I did for the last one, and by a little bit more, I don't mean much more. I just mean that I spent a little bit more time, say, with a rope. But even then, I only was able to climb the rope maybe two or three times out of the 30 that I attempted it in my training, right? So it wasn't like I was going gung-ho. I worked a little bit more with the monkey bars. So I was overall pretty pretty happy with with how the Spartan went. But it was just a great experience, you know, I was there with I was there with a team, you know, we raced as a team, you know, Andrew, Andy, who has been on the podcast before with the park run episode. Sort of is our team captain and it's an honor to run with him. I love running with him. One of my favorite Sure
1: pretty much just VO2 max. We just wanna see the highest possible ventilation, highest possible heart rate really, and the, the greatest usage of oxygen at, at those variables to give us the, the highest VO2 max we can and run at the highest speed. 10 to 12 minutes, you're not gonna be inhibited too much by accumulated fatigue. Yes, lactic acid's gonna be up there by the end, but it's not long enough to really start making it absolutely hurt and impact how high that VO2 max number can get. Yep. So that's one side of the spectrum. We use that for a very small portion of our clients that come in and see us. Like I said, uh, 800, 1500 meter runner, perfect. The one that we majorly use for the longer distance events isn't quite as good at getting the best VO2 max result. So you get a little bit of a, so it's only a couple of percent lower than what you probably could get to, but it gives us more advantage in terms of those submax zones that I was talking about before. So we use a three minute ramp test. Yep. So every three minutes, we'll increase the speed by 1K an hour, again, using the treadmill example. So we have bigger steps up, but it's over a longer period of time, allowing an athlete to steady state a bit more at that stage. Sure. Test goes for about 18 to 20 minutes on average. But what it allows us to do is then take a blood lactate sample. And this is where, at the end of each stage, because we've steady state, and this is where the useful information comes from. Because if we can get that blood lactate sample...
0: Love you, buddy. You were there too. <laughs> um Basically, we started with the sprint on the Saturday. Brendan didn't take part in the sprint. That's why I, I forgot to mention his name because I was I was I wrote down everybody that did the sprint with us. But so we did the sprint on Saturday, and it was really a lot of fun. It took us about an hour and twenty minutes to do it, and it was it was a blast. The Sunday was the Spartan Beast, which was the half marathon. That's what Brendan joined us for. So again, kudos to Brendan. This is his first Spartan really he's just getting into fitness and he decided that his first race was gonna be the Spartan Beast up Mystic Mountain. That's crazy. You're crazy. Well done. <laughs> and that was that was a lot of fun. So that took us about five and a half hours. Some of us got injured along the way or were struggling with injury. Thankfully I was not one of them. For once. Not that I'm thankful that anybody was injured, but it was just it was It was nice to not be the injured one for for once. And so, yeah, we traveled on through. Now, just speaking about some of the obstacles, I mean, I don't want to get too much into the obstacles because, as I said in my last episode about the Spartan, part of the fun is sort of hitting the obstacles when you're not sure exactly what to expect. I mean, there are obstacles that you know, right? So there's the rope climb. There's the spear throw there's the fire walk in some, in some areas. We didn't have the fire walk. I don't think we had the fire walk back in March either. Um, there, of course, are the basic walls. And, you know, to get to the start line, you have to jump over a wall first. So you're, you're getting an obstacle right away. But there are also obstacles that, you know, that are just fun, like the barbed wire crawl. It's not particularly hard. It's you know, it's just, it takes a while because it can be a a, quite a long distance and depending on if you get caught or not, but it's great photo op anyway. But yeah, some of the obstacles that I did not expect to be hard, I will say, for example, the horizontal rope to settle. um, Lactate as
1: a a whole will start to steady state a little bit. It's not constantly on the rise. So it just gives us a better picture of what you're going to be doing in those those sub-maximal intensity. So we use that mostly for our longer, longer duration events and longer duration athletes. It also gives us the ability to have a look at what someone's training zones are and break down, all right, from a zone two long, slow running perspective, depending on how many, how many zones you're using. Um, we use a five-zone system, so zone two is your, your long, slow, continuous running. Um, what heart rate do we need to be sitting at? What pace does that col- correlate to for a best effect in terms of building the Ks into your legs, um, managing fatigue? what types of intervals we need to be doing. We can see those clear progressions um, through the three-minute ramp test better than the one, but the downside is VO2 max as a whole. We slightly get a, an impacted reading because it is a longer test. So yeah. it is a bit of a trade-off. Like I said at the start, though, it's, it's all what information do you need, and we'll apply the appropriate test protocol to give you the information that you need. Yeah,
0: right, and I remember that. I remember we started, when I did it, I think we started at like a six-minute mm. kilometre. And then mm. we ended somewhere just below a five minute kilometer. And it wasn't, it's not like that's that, I mean, it's quick, but it's not like that, that quick, but it's like a hard yep. test. Like you start at this yep. easy pace and then all of a sudden 15 minutes in, you're like, Oh my God, why is yeah. this so hard? It's funny that, but yeah, yeah. It's an yeah, intense the, the test. First,
1: the, yeah. The first three quarters of the test, pretty, pretty comfortable. Yeah. Um, I only did, I only did my own testing a couple of weeks ago and yeah, you, every time I test, I forget. Uh, not forget about, it. I know it's coming, but you're in the test and you get caught up in the moment Then you go all of a sudden with sort of six or so minutes to go, you, you hit that threshold and just above and you're like, gee, this got hard all of a sudden, Like yeah. you're cruising along. And then that last six, seven minutes is just, yeah, it's hard. It's tough. Yeah. And that's it's like, that's where it's just motivation comes into it. We we get the we get the tunes on in here and and start yelling and screaming because <laughs> trying to get people up to get them th- through the end because it, it becomes a mental battle at, at that last little couple of minutes.
0: Totally, yeah, like like yeah. a lot of running does. Look at that. There you go. Yeah, yeah. And so, sort of, once you uh, once you sort of know what your VO2 max is. Well, actually, before that, what what's a good like what's an average sort of number for a VO2 max? Sure. Depends
1: what we yeah depends what we're looking at. I, we get asked this question a lot and I always it, it's almost the million dollar question in terms of what's a good VO2 max and what's an average one and and having a this particular VO2 max is that going to do me um do me better or worse at, at the end of the day. So we've got two two types of VO2 max. I'll cover this first cuz this will make a little bit more sense. We've got what we call an absolute VO2 max, which is just the total amount of oxygen you can take in transport utilize in uh, at a maximal level in 1 minute. That just is an absolute amount. It's what you're taking in regardless of your genetic, physiological, and anatomical factors. Yep. So generally in that, in that regard, we see bigger, taller athletes have really high absolute VO2 maxes. Um, as, as an example, we, like, and where that stems from is just bigger lung capacity, more muscle mass, more blood volume, et cetera. So they can take in transport, utilize more. Um, we also have our relative VO2 max. So we take your absolute, we divide it by your body weight in kilograms, gives us our relative VO2 max. And this is the one that most people talk about. It's what you get on your Garmin, if it estimates VO2 max, um, yep. on your watch, things like that. Um, it's milliliters of oxygen per kilogram per minute. So it, it'll come out as something like something pretty average. When I say average for, depends on your your age category, your gender, height, weight, a, a, a lot of different characteristics, but something that's pretty average that we see across, let's say you, your upper upper tier amateur athletes. So there may be, in a in a triathlete circumstance, there might be a top 10, top, top 15 in their age group finisher. Probably somewhere around a 60 mark is what we generally see at those those upper ends of the age groups. Um so in terms of general population though, probably close to 45, 50 is just a good good average score for someone who's somewhat fit, but they're not they don't call themselves sort of a top-end age group or they're not really training for something specific. Um, they're just sort of general fitness, sort of 45 to 50 is pretty typical. Your elite guys, and again, probably I'm getting these numbers more from the male side of things to start with, but the elite guys are generally sort of, depending on their sport, up in the 60, yeah. anywhere really 65 plus, is starting to get on the elite end of the spectrum. With your guys like your Chris Froome's in, in the Tour de France, your um, Kipchoge, who obviously, what, two days ago, break – Broke two hours for the marathon for the first time, which is pretty I was just impressive. I To he, ask
0: you what you think his was,
1: <laughs> yeah, he he's he's probably high eighties. I would yeah, say. Wow. I mean, he's he's probably fifty five kilos. Doesn't have the best absolute, but it probably like what four and a half five thousand. It's for his size, it's probably pretty high, high up there. But he's not carrying the mass, so it, it, he's got a, He'd probably have yeah somewhere in the high eighties. I would think. Um, exactly. some of the top-end cyclists are in the 90s, like highest record, is like 96. Again, coming back to cross-country skiing, those guys are are insane because of the altitude effect that they get in their training and the demand of their sport as well. So really, it's what, what's good for your sport. Typically, we see really big VO2 maxes uh, relative in cyclists, yep. an interesting one. Because um, often we talk about runners using more ma- more muscle mass. So you might think that Um, with the arms swinging, legs going, cross-country skiers, things like that, you you might have more oxygen usage across your whole body. So that can lead to higher VO2 max. But we often see, particularly in cyclists, we see VO2 max a lot higher, purely from the fact that they're able to get their ventilation up there. They can get more air in to start with because their body's in a stable position. Um, The torso's quite relaxed. There's no impact coming up through the ground through their leg, jamming up their diaphragm, um, causing that shortened breath. They can really just open their lungs up and get that full deep breath in. So when they're breathing faster, they're making the most of how much air they're getting in. Not all of that air is oxygen. Um, but if we can get more air in, if you can get a ventilation of, like we've seen, we saw a 6 foot 6, 110 kilo cyclist get his ventilation up to like 266 litres of air coming into his lungs every minute. That's huge. Of course, he's going to have a high usage of oxygen because he's got so much better chance at getting oxygen in the first place. Um So that type of thing, we generally see cyclists can get up to those high 80s and and 90s at the elite level, um, whereas runners sort of struggle to get up up there a bit. But running then also becomes a bit more about what your economy is doing. So you may not have the highest oxygen usage um, in the field, but if your technique is is wasting the least amount of energy and you're making the most of that aerobic energy production, um, that is also a pretty critical part of the puzzle, as well as what percentage of your engine you can hold over the duration of the race etc so this is where we can start talking about i mean coming back to kipchoge obviously everyone's all across the the four percent nikes and the 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 next percenters (laughs) as well um it's the type of thing that i mean at the end of the day those those four percenters or the next percenters um the the research on them was that they would drop oxygen consumption at the same intensity by what was it four percent really so it'd be four percent lower what does that mean well you're not having to expend as much energy um o- overall so it t- basically makes that workload a little bit easier so when they do push push the pace up a bit he's just cruising i mean if if you watch the back end of it i think from 36 kilometers into the rest of the rest of the race except for i think the last k because he obviously picked it up and got rid of the paces and went off he's averaging 250 pace per k i mean and, he, and he's
0: smiling he's cruising like I love if, I love watching him run he's always smiling <laughs> he's yeah always
1: it, smiling. it's nuts but a lot of that stems from running economy i mean
0: yeah.
1: he he doesn't want to be using necessarily massive amounts of oxygen and burning huge amount of fuel he wants to be as, i don't I don't like using the word efficient cuz it's strictly not correct in terms of the physiology but he wants to be as economical as possible mm. make the most of the oxygen he is using but a lot of that comes from his biomechanics um you watch his technique and it's this effortless floating technique that He's not wasting a, a, a single um, milliliter of oxygen or, or energy usage. He's just floating through and uh, and getting the most of it. So in terms of VO2 max, he may not have one of the highest record in the world, but he can use a really high percentage of the engine he's got, and he makes he makes that engine work as economically as he can. Yeah. Um, so so th- th- you can start to see there's a few more factors that work into it above above and beyond what what VO2 max can tell us. Um, which is why all that submaximal data is really critical.
0: And so once you know what that VO2 max is, and yep. what, what what can you do? Like, what can you specifically, as a runner, say as a runner, what can you do with that information? How can you improve it? Can you improve it? Uh, what comes next? Yeah. So the big, the
1: big one is um, from from our perspective, obviously break down the data, and, and as you know, when you come in, we we analyze the data for a couple of key points, really looking for for our we we use a five zone training zone system to to give the information. So. Um, zone one being active recovery zone two your endurance along slow zone three a threshold slash tempo um you can break that one down into two if you like zone four being you're sort of in above threshold to vo2 max and then zone five technically speaking being above vo2 max so semi-anaerobic um from the information we do also get through ventilation what your lactate's doing we and, and what your usage of oxygen is like we can have a look at all right which end of the spectrum do you really fit we see two common common types and athletes that do come in the first one which is the most common is a lot of endurance athletes typically will do lots of long slow continuous training makes sense we need to accumulate the case in the legs we're really good in terms of just going all day at a pretty comfortable pace so we generally see the usage of oxygen is really quite consistent and then sort of getting towards threshold things start to decline quite rapidly um, lactate starts to increase really really fast because all of a sudden Our body goes, I can use oxygen really well, but I can't use it quickly. And as that rate increases, as we increase intensity, we need to get more oxygen faster,
0: but our body just can't process it. An OCR, they're talking about an obstacle course race. And these distances range from the 5K to marathon distance to ultra distances as well. And they're held in, I think 30 countries at this point.